If you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 3. When you get there, say amen. So I just ask you to pray to pray with me and bear with me because I ain't got a lick of notes, but I know what the Holy Ghost put on my heart. And so I have to be obedient. If you would, bow your heads with me as I pray before I get started. Father God, I just come before you this morning, Lord. Again, God, I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for your Holy Ghost. God, I pray as I begin to speak that a direct connection would heaven from heaven would begin to flow out of my mouth, Lord. I pray that the anointing would rest upon me, Lord, that you'd give me the strength, Lord, to communicate what you thus saith the Lord. I pray that you would begin to open every ear to hear, God, what you have to say. God, open the hearts and the minds and the spirits of people to receive from your word, Lord, to hear what you want to tell them, God. And I ask you to anoint me by the Holy Ghost. In your precious holy name I pray, Lord. Amen. In Psalms chapter 3, it says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help in him, no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down to sleep and I awakened, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. If you would turn in your Bibles to Samuel chapter first uh, Samuel chapter 14. How many of you know that God is a victorious God? I don't know if that if that hits you like that hits me, but Verse 3 of Psalms 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifting of mine head. You know, in this day and age, in this world that we live in, you can't walk around without a shield. There's fiery darts in every way, shape, and form that come against us every day. We're being attacked right and left. We're being attacked for our faith. We're being attacked, and it may not be directly to you, but as a whole. We're being attacked for our faith. We're being attacked for being different, because Jesus is different, right? And it's a constant daily barrage. But he is that shield for us, and the lifter of our head. Because a lot of times we walk through this life with our head hung down. It's like we don't know who we serve. We serve the king of glory, the creator of the universe, the almighty power that keeps this globe spinning. That doesn't sound like a weak God to me. That sounds like a God that's got some power. Right? 1 Samuel chapter 14. Now it came to pass, starting with verse 1. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. The reason why he didn't tell his father, because his father would have told him not to go. Because his father was a chicken. He didn't want to go out there and fight them, because he knew they would have probably got beat at that point. 
Verse 2, And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. See, that's what happens. Just like David, sometimes we sit by the wayside and don't do what God wants us to do, and he has to call somebody else up to do it. I said it in the first service. One-third of Christians, per the Bible, are not doing what God's called them to do. One-third of Christians are not being spent by God. That's a problem. And, that, and this text shows that Saul was sitting under a tree when he should have been out there on the battlefield. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. So he, he's sitting there with 600 men doing nothing. Verse 3, And Ahiah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Seneh. When you go to do what God has called you to do, you're going to hit a rock in a hard place. Jonathan knew we have to defeat these Philistines. We cannot let them continue to run rampant. So he told his armor bearer, I know what we have to do. Let's go handle business. And they did. And immediately, as soon as they started heading towards the place where they were to go, they hit a rock in a hard place. They were stuck, right? The forefront, verse 5, the forefront of the one was situated northward against Michmash and the other southward against Gibeah. So they were blocked from the north and from the south. And Jonathan said to the young men that bear his armor, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. God does not need the most powerful preachers or men of God to accomplish tasks. He just needs you and I to be a willing vessel. If we'll go and do what God tells us to do, He will do marvelous things through your life. God doesn't need you to be this super saint and, and because you're going to be probably less effective anyway. He just wants somebody that's willing and available. Jonathan and his armor bearer were willing and available to go and do what God had called them to do. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. God wants us to be with him. God wants us to follow him. God doesn't want us to do what we want to do. It is not biblical, but this is a Pastor Jonathan-ism. Anything with two heads is a freak. You cannot be the captain of the ship and God be the captain of the ship at the same time. The armor bearer could have said, look, bro, I ain't doing this. I ain't trying to get killed. I'm going to go back with King Saul. He didn't say that. He said, whatever's in your heart, we're doing. 
That's how we're supposed to be. That's what God's called us to be, to be faithful servants. Then Jonathan said, Behold, verse 8, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say unto us, Tarry or stay until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say unto us, Come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hands. And this shall be a sign unto us. There is a lot of us that are going through some stuff right now. In every way, shape, or form. While I was sitting on the drums, the Lord just put it on my heart. There's a lot of people in the house that are going through some stuff. You're, you're in between a rock and a hard place. And if you will inquire of the Lord and heed his voice, he will never lead you astray. Jonathan said it. If I... Or he said, we'll stay here, and if they tell us we're going to come down to you, then we're going to kick it here. But if, he, if they say, come up here and fight us, then we're going to go up, and we will know for a surety that God is going to give us the victory. There's some of us that are sitting in this house that God has already told you what he's going to do. You just have to have the guts to believe that he's going to do it. Let me tell you something. If you need a place to live... God's going to do it. He already has a place set up for you. It's just a matter of you having the guts to trust him that he's going to make it happen. My wife and I sat for probably a year and a half needing a bigger place. And I trusted God. We trusted God. We prayed. There were days that I was like, you know what, Lord? I don't know, man. Because we look at the world and this economy and you're like, you know, what was five bucks is now ten bucks and it seems impossible. But here's the deal. When we trust God and we walk with him, he overrides all that. If you'll have the guts to trust God and be faithful to him and hang on to the promise that he's already given you. The Bible says it. He's given us houses that we didn't build. He will give you a place to live. God's not willing that you're going to live out on the street, especially if you've got little kids. God's going to provide, but you have to trust him. You have to keep walking. You have to keep going. Jonathan, when they started walking through that valley and they saw that there was a rock and a hard place, they could have very easily been like, hey, this is rough terrain. I don't know how I feel about this. You know, look, think about it. I don't know if any of you, well, there's probably a lot of you in here that have had quite extensive fights, but if you're fighting somebody and you're on uneven territory, you're in a, uh, you're in a disadvantaged position. If you can't get solid footing where you can plant and throw a good punch, you're going to get stuck, right? You can't fight well on uneven ground, but that's where they were at. The circumstance and the situation, situation surrounding them looked impossible. There's two guys and up on top of the mountain, there's a garrison of soldiers. I don't know about all you, but I don't think that unless God told me, I wouldn't be super down to go fight a whole group of soldiers with me and somebody else. I don't care who it is. Because you're in a position of disadvantage. But how many of you guys know that God takes positions of disadvantage and turns it for his glory and turns it to strength? 
He can take a little shepherd boy who's on the backside of the, she- of the sheepfold, who everybody disregards, who nobody cares about, and he can take him and anoint him with the Holy Ghost, and he can not only kill a bear and a lion, but he can kill a giant, and he can take his head off and bury it and get victory over the enemy. It does not matter who you are, what you've done, where you're from. doesn't matter what people have said about you your whole life. None of that stuff matters to God because David was the least of his brethren. He was a little boy. But you know what? That little boy got alone with God, got invested by, into by God, and he held on to the promise that God gave him. And you know what happened? He became a king. Okay? God told Jonathan, or Jonathan knew, if they tell us, come up here, we've already won. And that's how God looks at us. He's like, hey, you see that? Let me come out here so you can see it. You see that cross up there? I already shed my blood on that thing, and that's the symbol of your victory. So every time we look at that, we have to remember the battle is already won. I don't care if the devil's come and said that your kids will never serve God. I don't care if you've got a terminal disease that the devil says that you'll never be healed. I don't care what you struggle with that the devil tells you you'll never be free from. He's a liar. He's defeated. And Jesus has already won the war. The battle is over. The devil may think he's going to win some battles, but the war's already won. Hallelujah. Let's keep moving. Yes. You find out where I left off. Verse 11. Thank you, brother. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. How many of you know when you make yourself known to the devil that he's like, I got you now? Come on. It's, let, let's just be real. If you're hiding, you know, the devil probably still sees you anyway. And he's like, I ain't got to worry about this dude because he's hiding. Right? There's a lot of times that God prompts us to do stuff. And you don't get attacked by the enemy necessarily because you're too afraid to do something. Right? And I'm not bashing you, trust me, because I've got three fingers pointing back at me. Okay? Don't be afraid. Jonathan and his armor bearer knew they were outnumbered. They knew that they were at a disadvantage. And yet they still had faith. And they trusted God and they knew, we got this. I can tell you Jonathan knew deep down in the depth of his soul Regardless of whether we go up and fight them or they come down here and we beat them, we're going to beat them regardless. God's already given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ wasn't, hadn't even come yet. But he already knew the promise that was promised to them by God. They made themselves known to the Philistines and behold, the Hebrews came forth out of the holes, or they said, behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. See, the devil knows when you're hiding. Because when you're hiding, you're not doing nothing. That's that one third I'm talking about. Don't be hiding. Because God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear, fear has crippled the Christian church. Because people walk around in fear and they call it a lot of other names too. 
they call, and I feel the Holy Ghost right now, people walk around with anxiety, and I'm not bashing it, okay? But that's just a spirit of fear. Don't allow the spirit of fear to run rampant in your life. The Word of God says that, he, that, that, that fear is a spirit and that, he's, that God has not given that to you and I. What, what has He given us? Power, love, and a sound mind. That means that if anxiety racks your mind and you're so anxious all the time that you can't do anything, there's a cure for that. It is a sound mind that God gives us. If you're walking around with fear and God tells you to go do something and you're so freaked out and afraid that you can't do it, he's got the answer for you. Power. He's given us the power. The love. Whenever you hate somebody and you can't forgive them, what is he giving you the answer for? Love. That you can forgive and you can love even when it's hard and you don't want to. He's given you the power too. tell you, I like preaching two services. <laughs> Let me get a drink of water. The Holy Ghost is so good. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I struggled and struggled and struggled with putting the message for the first service together. And I was like, Lord, <sighs> you know, I'm like, because look, I'm just going to shoot straight with you, okay? Which I always do, but. You know, pastor, he's a heavy hitter. You know, that's like, that's like playing baseball and trying to go up against Sammy Sosa or Barry Bonds, okay? He's a slugger, okay? But by the Holy Ghost, so am I. He's given me power over every bit of fear, over every bit of worry, and you know what? He's awesome. Let me get back to this. God's so good. I'm pumped, man. I'm, I'm pumped, let me tell you. You know, it's so awesome. The Holy Ghost, I'm, I'm sitting here on the drums, and the Holy Ghost told me, I want you to preach, because I'll tell you, I've preached this Samuel uh, rock in a hard place to the kids a lot, because it's something that, ministers to me because when in times in my life when I've been in between a rock and a hard place I knew if I confront the enemy and I trust God I'm gonna win okay um verse 12 and the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said come up to us they knew Ooh, it's game time now Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Here's, and let me read verse 13. Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. Let me tell you something, okay? I did a little research on this. And this is the Holy Ghost because I usually don't remember some stuff like this. If you go into history in the terrain of where they were at, on both sides of, of the rock, uh, both sides of the mountain, we'll call them mountains. There's mountains on each side. 
On both sides of those, they were covered with what's called a Christ thorn. It's a two-inch thick thorn that grows on a vine. That whole mountainside was covered in those thorns. Sometimes doing what God wants us to do is hard. It's not, you know, there's, I, there's an old saying. I don't even remember who said it, but it's old, like 1800s old. And it says, some, some sleep on beds of flowery ease while others have sailed through bloody seas. Sometimes serving God is tough and it's hard. And sometimes you got to climb up a mountainside covered in thorns and your flesh is being torn up. And there's, there's blood and, and, and harm that's done. But I can tell you, if Jonathan and his armor bearer looked at that and said, you know what, this is hard. I don't want to do it. It's hard. You know what would happen? They would have gotten swallowed up by the garrison of Philistines. Is it hard to serve God? Yes, it is. You know why? Because every day you have to die. You have to die every day. That old nature that's within you that wants to get mad and punch somebody's lights out, that has to die. That anger, that rejection that you've carried around your whole life, the fear, all those things, the hurt, it has to die. And so serving God is not easy, and it's not for weak sauce people. I'm being honest. It's not for weak sauce people. Serving God is not for the faint of heart. You know, and th this is so, uh, this is just, you know, we read through the scripture and God's given us so many examples of people that he's used to and the type of personality that it is to see the gospel furthered. You know, my, my wife and I have been watching this show about the Americas and the men that built the Americas. And there were frontiersmen that were believers that dug through this country to see God's purpose be brought forth. Okay? There's men like Daniel Boone, okay, who was a frontiersman, dug through the Kentucky Territory to, to see. Why did they leave England to escape and have religious freedom? They did what they did so that we could stand here today and worship God freely. Right? If it wasn't for these men who fought, bled, and paid their price, but ultimately Jesus fought, bled, and paid the price so that we could have freedom and liberty, even if we're in a state of captivity, you can be free in Jesus. Verse 14. And the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, a half an acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. When he stepped foot on top of that mountain, I can tell you the Holy Ghost hit him. And I can tell you they looked at this, at Jonathan, and they saw it because I can tell you he was cut up. He was bloody. He probably looked like a crazy man. And as soon as he stepped foot on the top of that mountain, he just took his sword out and started killing. Okay? You're like, man, that's morbid. That's rough. Serving God is, is rough. You can't just let the devil railroad all over you. You have to cut his head off. You have to take your sword out sometimes and go to war. 
See, uh, we've gone through this Christian, I feel like we go through this Christian life and we feel like that it's sunshine and roses, but it's not. It's, it's, it's hardcore sometimes. When the devil comes attacking, what are you going to do? You're going to lay down and just let him, let him have free will in your life? Or are you going to get up and fight? I, I, I wrestled in high school, and I, I, I you know, it's a, it's a team sport, but it's definitely an individual sport because when you're down in the trenches, you got to connect with what's inside of you to know whether you're going to make it out or not, okay? Because when you got somebody else who's imposing their will upon you and trying to keep you from getting up, you got to know, do I have the guts to fight my way out? And that's how we have to go about this Christian life, when the devil comes and he puts, when he puts his weight on you and holds you down and he's like, what are you going to do now, punk? What are you going to do now? He's like, I've attacked your finances. I've attacked your marriage. I'm running rampant through your family. What are you going to do now? You're going to sit here and let me do it or are you going to get up and fight? That's right. Jesus is telling us, get up and fight. Because God's a warrior. Jesus is a warrior. He came to this earth as a meek and lowly lamb, but he's coming back as a warrior king. He's coming back with a tongue of fire and a sword to begin to slay the enemy once and for all and cast him to where he belongs. The devil is already defeated. Don't let the devil run rampant through your life. Get up and fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Walk, even in hard circumstances, when you've got a mountain on each side of you, you've got a bill, a debt that you can't pay, and you need a place to live, fight, fight on your knees, fight in prayer, trust God, and he'll give you the victory to make it through, because there's nothing that's impossible for God, he's faithful, even when we're unfaithful, and he's the general of this army, and he's calling unto each and every one of us that we be soldiers for the kingdom of God. You can't be a soldier and be weak. You can't. Now, I'm not saying that that means that you're strong all the time. Because we're human. But you can't be a soldier and be in a foxhole being shot at. And lay there and, and, and do nothing. You have to get up and fight. We have to fight. You might say, Kyle, I get what you're saying. I understand fighting, but how do we fight? The word of God. The Bible says that this is the sword of the spirit. And, and you're like, all right, cool. So what, do we hit people with the Bible? No. Look at Jesus. When Jesus was in the wilderness and the enemy came and he was attacking, he was tempting. What did Jesus do? He said, it is written. Every time you come up against a circumstance that you can't face on your own, that you don't have the strength to go through, what do you say? It is written. When you're too scared to do anything, when you're so crippled with fear and anxiety that there's nothing you can do, what do you do? You say, devil, it is written. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. When you ain't got no money in the bank and you got bills that are due. Oh my God. 
When you ain't got no money in the bank and you got bills due, what do you say? It is written. He stores up the wealth of the wicked for the righteous. When you're sick and you got a terminal disease that only God can heal, that the doctors have said there's no hope, what do you do? You say, it is written by his stripes. We were healed. He said healing is the children's bread. He said in Psalms that he heals all our diseases. When you say, I can't forgive, you know what? That's, forgiveness is a hard thing, okay? I ain't going to sit here and, you guys have heard me preach, you've heard things I've shared. Forgiveness is tough. But the Bible is very clear. If you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. We have to forgive I don't care who hurt you. I don't care what's been done to you. None of that matters. Because if it's worth going to hell for, that's a problem. We must forgive. Oh, when, when you can't forgive, right, what do you do? You say, it is written. It is written. He's given me power over all the power of the enemy. When you're struggling and you're fighting through your life and you're battling with things, what do you say? It is written. He's given me power over all the power of the enemy. God has every remedy, every answer every weapon of war right here and right here. If you pray and you seek the face of God, he'll lead you. If you trust him, he'll guide you. If you read his word and you use it as the way it's intended to be used. You know, because sometimes you need a sword. Sometimes you need a shield, right? We have that faith. That's why God called it a shield of faith, because whenever somebody comes up to you and says, you know what, brother, you know, it, it, sometimes it just doesn't happen. <laughs> or when they say stupid things like, I know somebody that died from that. Or they say, well, you know, it happens to everybody. No, no. Sometimes you need that faith that you can go like this, and no matter what people say, it just bounces off, right? When, somebody's, when you tell somebody, oh, you know, I've got these bills due, and they're like, well, you know, I, the, the, uh, the economy's tight. And no, if God promised you that he's going to pay your bills, if he promised you that he's going to be faithful, which he did in his word, he's going to do it. So grab that shield and hold it and let the word of God fight for you. Sometimes you need a battle axe because sometimes you got to cut some stuff down. When you've got a root of bitterness or anger 
or lack of forgiveness that's deep down within your belly that you don't that you've hidden, right? Because let's just be straight up and real. Every single one of us has it in some way, shape, or form if we don't allow God to deal with it. I'm not saying you have it right now, but if you don't allow God to deal with it, it'll be there. Because somebody will say something dumb. Somebody will hurt your feelings. Somebody will offend you. And if you don't deal with it, it'll turn into something that will destroy you. We're talking about Saul and Jonathan. Saul had a root deep down within him. He hated David. Hated David. And because of that and disobedience, he, it caused him his kingdom. He had disobedience rooted in his heart that he didn't want to deal with. He had opportunities to. He had opportunities to deal with the hatred and the anger and the lack of forgiveness. Because look, sometimes God wants to use somebody else. And it's nothing against you. Sometimes, because look, just like I said, that sometimes it takes different tools, different weapons to fight a war. It takes different tools to get the job done. If you're trying to weld something together, you are not going to use a drill and, and a, a, you're not going to use a ratchet and socket. You're not. If you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to cut wood, you're not going to use a hammer to hammer, 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 hammer. But that's how we go through life sometimes. God says, hey, I want you to, you know, he's, I'm using metaphors here, but God's like, I want you to be the saw and cut this piece of wood. And we go and we're the hammer. And we just hammer, 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 and think that that's going to cut it. It ain't going to cut it. Sometimes God has to use other tools, other methods. So don't be angry. Don't, don't hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Because Saul got to the point that he allowed that to fester and grow. And it became a tree that only could be cut down by the Holy Ghost, battle axe. But you know what? We have, to, we have to go about our lives and know that God's in control. Don't be afraid. Trust in this. You know, we always pray and ask God, God, give me a word. God, speak to me. And he's like, hey, listen, bro. It's right here. There's thousands of words right here that I already spoke for you. And when he breathes on it, it becomes life. You know, it's like we don't need all this external stuff. We just need Jesus and the word of God. And if you're facing a situation today, a hard place, if you're in between two mountains that it seems impossible, I do not, I'm just going to say this, I, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's spiritual. I don't care if it's emotional. I don't care if it's financial. I don't care what it is, and neither does God. God cares, but it doesn't matter to him. What matters is you and I, is your soul, your heart, your life. Come to this place and use one of the tools that God's given you to be victorious. I'm not implying that people are not crying out to God. That's not what I'm saying, but... If you take one step, he'll take two. If you go to meet him, he'll meet you. No matter what the situation or problem is. 
because nothing is too big for our God. I don't care if you've got a million-dollar debt. It doesn't matter. We serve a God that's the king that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. All the wealth of the world is his. You know why? Because he's the one that made it. I said it in the first message. Jesus does not care about money. He does not care about finances. Jesus never carried a wallet. When Jesus needed money, he caused it to materialize out of thin air. And I shared this, and I'm going to share it as I close. When Peter, Peter decided to open his mouth and tell you know, the, the soldiers, yeah, 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 we paid our taxes. And then they went and looked, and they're like, you didn't pay your taxes. And then Peter got mad. It's like, listen, sometimes we need to, okay? And that goes for your own circumstances, and that goes for other people's circumstances. If somebody's believing God for something, don't be the person that goes and discourages them. Honestly, if somebody's like, I need a house, don't be the person who says, well, the economy's really bad and you can't afford it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. If somebody needs a job, don't be the person that says, well, you know, it's really hard to get a good job these days. What kind of God do you serve? We serve the God that's the all-needs supplier. When, when Peter told them that him, and, that him and Jesus had already paid their taxes... And they're like, oh, yeah, but we looked and you didn't. Peter got mad and Jesus told him, listen, Peter, go do what you know best on this earth. Grab your fishing pole, go fish, and the first fish you catch will have the money you need to pay your bills. God can cause money to materialize out of nothing. If you got a financial need, it's nothing for God. Now, keep in mind, it ain't on our time. You know, you may be on the 29th at midnight and your car payment's due and it's due on the 30th and you ain't got the money to pay it. God will show up. Amen. Trust him. I, trust me, I could sit here all day and tell you of every time that God's met my need. Amen. You know, I'm going to share I'm going to share this cuz I know somebody needs to hear it. You know, like I said, my wife and I, we needed a, a bigger place. Our family grew, and so we needed a bigger place. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. We tried multiple different houses. God shut the door. So I'm like, I'm like, you know, Lord, I know that you said that we're supposed to, you know, that we should trust you and that you're going to provide. But, but, that's our one of our favorite words that we say is but. But, based on what I'm seeing, you've closed a lot of doors. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And I, I said that to the Lord, which is, was dumb of me, but, you know, I, I was like, Lord, I believe you, but I just feel like that maybe it's not your will for me, which is just a lie of the enemy, okay? So, cir- situation, circumstances happen, God opened the door for us to have a place. And when the, my, new, my new now landlord told me what the rent was, I was like, <laughs> There's no way. That's that I can't afford it. Just being real. And uh, so you know me, I I, I try to learn from um, my brother to be good good salesman.
because he's a good salesman. At his, that's what he does for work. I'm not, I'm not throwing a jab. You know, I tried to negotiate. I'm like, well, you know, how about this number? And they were like, no, this is what we want. And I'm like, dude. So I knew I did what I knew to do. I got down on my face, and I'm like, God, you know that there ain't no way with what I make right now that that's going to happen. It's just not. And God and the Lord just was like, just relax. This house is yours. I got up here on a Sunday morning, and I shared, and I said, God's given us a house. He's going to open the door. It's ours. He already told me. And as soon as I got in the car, the devil's like, you're an idiot. He's like, as soon as it doesn't happen, all these people in this congregation are going to mock you and make fun of you and tell you that you're, that you're basically a failure. And I'm like, oh, man. But you know what happened? God did it. He provided the place. <clears throat> I was doing a, a job. I was doing multiple positions at my job. And a, a manager of another department approached me and was like, hey, I see, I basically, I see what you're doing, and I want you to be on my team. And I was, I was like, well, that's what I've been wanting to do this whole time. And so God opened the door. He gave me a raise. And then he gave me another raise. We pay, we pay for Lily to go to school. And somebody approached me and said, it's been on our heart to take that off your plate. So God caused somebody to take that off of our plate. And so many things. God just, he'll do that for you. There is nothing too big for our God. No circumstance, nothing. Trust him. Cry out to him. Use his word, and he'll meet your need every time. If you would, please put on some. Actually, you know what? No. Sister Lupe, where are you at?